everybody. Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. So glad you guys are with us this morning. Glad to be together in God's house. Uh, and what a morning so far uh, we've had in, in the presence of God. God stirring our hearts, God reminding us, God reorienting our focus about what's most important. And, um, and I believe one of the things he's, he's relaying back to us today is that, is that any of us who might be battling fear or anxiety of any kind, maybe a little bit of uh, unsurety about the days ahead, some of you are stepping into some new, new days, new jobs, new places, new schools, new environments, etc., etc., and the enemy would like to uh, sow some seeds of deception and, and try to put some doubt in your heart and some doubt in your minds to try to get you to think that it's not going to work out, that you're going to be forsaken, that people aren't going to like you, that people aren't going to gravitate to you, that you're, you're just kind of going to be on your own, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And the Holy Spirit, I think, just wanted to remind us today that, that if you belong to the Lord, you're God. You are His child. And He looks after His own. And he, 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 when he leads you and he opens a door for you to step into and to enter a new place, wherever that might be and whatever that is, you can be certain that God is with you. Amen? So I wanted you, I wanted you to know that. The Lord wanted you to know that today, that wherever you are in life and wherever he's taking you, trust him. Make yourself trust God, and, and he will deliver. Amen? You received that for your life today? Amen. I needed that today as well. I'm not going anywhere new, but I do feel like it's a new season, and uh, it certainly is in many ways. Listen, I want to draw your attention. Let's get into God's Word today. Second Peter, <clears throat> excuse me, Second Peter chapter three is where we're going to be hanging out today. Second Peter chapter three. Uh, the last four weeks, uh, we've heard from uh, different leaders within our church. Uh, it's been great uh, having the variety of different. Uh, Leadership uh, platforms speak and bring God's Word to teach us. They taught us uh, about spiritual growth. They taught us uh, how to walk on water. If you missed that one, that was a sight. They taught us how to dangle in treetops. And they even taught us how to do fractions. If you missed that. Believe me, all that's in, the, in, in all of those messages. Uh, you can go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, pull down sermons, and you can go back, and, and uh, we catalog those. They're ready for you to go back and listen to, and uh, pretty powerful. I just want to say a special thanks to all the guys who filled in these last few weeks. Thomas Varghese, is one of our elders here. Pastor Prentice Woods, our associate pastor. Uh, Brandon Bailey, uh, who's out of town today, uh, and also Max Garner. All these guys filling in and uh, bringing uh, the, the message to us um, over the last few weeks. I appreciate men like that, leaders like that. It's always a good sign when you've got a variety of layers of leadership in a church. That's a healthy thing. That's a healthy thing. That means it doesn't revolve around one personality. It ultimately revolves around Jesus, who is the true chief shepherd of any church. Amen? Aren't you glad for Jesus? That he knows it better than we do, and he's good. Listen, we're in Second Peter chapter 3. I want to call our attention to the last two verses and then we're going to hear in a minute, we're going to go back to, through some of these. Second Peter 3, the Apostle Peter wrote these, verse 17 and 18. He said, I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen and amen. Let's pray over God's Word today. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for You that You are always working on our behalf. You're working when we're asleep and You're working when we're awake. Will You even work when we worry, even though You tell us not to worry? You work always in our life to bring about Your good will and Your good pleasure that You have planned for each of us. This morning, as we open Your Word, speak to us this day. Right now, we say, let our hearts be calm, let our ears be open, let our lives be receptive of what you want to deposit into us today. And we know that your word is life-changing, and so let that happen in us. Wherever we need changing, let your word come and work itself out in each of our lives. We give you this time now and give you our attention. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. 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 I want to read you a little story. It's called A Warning Sign by a person by the name of Randy Ally of Sermon Central. It said, A priest and a rabbi from local parishes were standing by the side of the road holding up some signs. The rabbi's sign read, The end is near. The priest on the other side of the road held up his sign, which read, Turn before it's too late. They planned to hold up their signs to each passing car. Get a job, the first driver yelled. The second, immediately behind the first, yelled, Leave us alone, you religious freaks. Shortly from around the curve, they heard screeching tires and a splash, followed by more screeching tires and more splashing. The rabbi looked over to the priest and said, Do you think we should try a different sign? The priest responded, perhaps a sign that says, the bridge is out, might be better. The bridge is out. Today I want to preach a message entitled, the bridge is out. The bridge is out, and, and really here in Second Peter, this letter is really a warning sign that Peter writes to the believers uh, in what is now modern-day Turkey, that entire area is where Peter was writing this letter to, to all the believers there, and of course it, it affects us here as well today. But, you know, warnings are not bad. A lot, a lot of times we, we hear warnings or see warnings, we think they're bad. Really, warnings are for our good. Warnings are for our good. And so on one hand of life, we, we can live life, we can travel down some paths, and uh, God can flash some warning signs our way. And if we don't pay attention, then we'll come to the end of that road and we'll discover that the bridge is out. And then on the other hand, we can, we can live life, we'll go through life, but eventually that road will end, life will come to an end. And it'll be too late then to look at our life and see what paths we've taken and consider how we have lived. And so that leaves us in this position now. That means we must pay attention now. We must pay attention today. And here in 2 Peter 3, the Apostle Peter lays out some things that we need to be paying attention to that are fitting uh, in our life as well. 
And so we're going to look at these. There's four things that, that we're going to draw from Scripture today. Four, four points here out of 2 Peter 3 that, that he tells us, hey, pay attention. Pay attention to this. So whatever you do today, don't fall asleep. Pay attention. Pay attention. The first thing that Peter lays out, by the way, this, this message I'm doing today is going to wrap up this entire series that we've been doing over the last several weeks called the Epistles. And so this will be the final one on that roster. The first thing that uh, Paul, uh, Peter tells us to pay attention to is first, pay attention to what God has said. Pay attention to what God has said. Let's look at it, verse 1 and 2. He said, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior Jesus commanded through your apostles. So he first off, he tells us, hey, the warning here, pay attention to what God has said. Here's the thing about what God has said. It has always been true, and it will remain true, and there's no changing it. People try to manipulate it. People try to twist it. People try to sugarcoat it in a way that makes us feel uh, a certain way about ourselves uh, that might not be the way God feels about ourselves and the ways we live and the way we go about life. And the thing is, what God has said, we must pay attention to. If uh, we don't want to get to the end of a road and discover that the bridge is out, then God is holding up warning signs in our life telling us the bridge is out. And, he, and, P, and Paul, uh, Peter here is, is throwing up this big warning sign first and foremost, hey, pay attention. Pay attention to what God has said. So if you wrestle with doubts, so you wrestle, you've got questions, you're trying to figure out some things about life, here's the thing, pay attention to what God has said. And the thing about what God has said, it'll never lead you astray. What God has said will never let you down. Oh, it might disappoint you in the sense that it, it, you, our hearts and our flesh won't get what it wants, but that's nobody in this room, I get that. It's another church down the road. Um, but that's what God's word does. That's what he, when he has spoken, it confronts us. It confronts our attitudes, right? It confronts our outlooks. It confronts our thoughts. It, it, can, it confronts a lot of different things about us. But the thing about it with what God has said is that he knows what's best for us. And, it, and he, he, he knows exactly the way our lives need to be cut out and where direction we need to go. And it comes back to trusting him. But we have to pay attention to what he said. Amen? Pay attention to what God has said. Uh, and no matter how hard we try, and there's warnings in the, in the Word of God, uh, that no matter how hard we might try to take something out of, God, uh, out of God's Word out of context and apply it to a certain thing or a certain situation or a certain part of our life, here's the deal. It might, we might feel justified for a moment, but the reality is God always has a way of bringing back the full context of what His intention is in His Word. And it's to get our attention so that we don't go down a road where the bridge is out. Amen? God doesn't want our life to go over the side of the road. He doesn't want it to go over the side of the cliff. He doesn't want us to train wreck our life. He doesn't want us to just run off. No, why? Because he knows where that, where that leads. That leads to eternal separation from him. 
and he has so much love for us, so much love for humanity, so much love for you and me, that he flashes warning signs to say, hey, pay attention to what I've said. So in your life right now, think about some things that God has said to you. Think about some personal things the Lord has spoken to you. Think about some things in the Word of God where you've read it and it's hit your heart and it's like, oh, I, that's perfect, I needed that. Remember some of those things because you're, you're going to need to remind yourself of what God has said. And God never tells you this thing and then detours from it. He sticks to what He has said about your life. Amen? So pay attention to what God has said, first thing Peter says. The second thing that Peter tells us to pay attention to is pay attention to what God has done. Pay attention to what God has done. Verse 3 says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Verse 5, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Second thing Peter tells us, pay attention to what God has Done. Here's the thing about what God has done. God started it all, God sustains it all, and God silences it all. There's kings and there are kingdoms on this earth. There are people in high places of authority with a lot of power. But here's the thing. There, none of them compare to the authority and the power of our King, Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives authority, and under him is all authority. And so whether people realize it or not, their authority will come to an end. All of our rules, all of our reigns, all of our positions really don't matter in the big picture of eternity because what God's trying to get us to understand is that he is in control and that he is sovereign, and his sovereignty reigns over all the earth. Yes, there are things we don't understand. There are things that happen that we don't have an answer to. There are things that take place that it's hard to, to try to create a, an understanding for. But the reality is if we will just trust the sovereignty of God, if we will just lean into the sovereign hand of the Lord and trust that He has a way of working things out and bringing things together, that He created it all, He sustains it all, and He can silence it all. And that time and that day will happen. So we have to pay attention to what God has done in our life. There's no change. In the midst of it all, in the midst of life, God is there holding it all together. In the midst of your chaotic moments right now, here's the thing, God is really there holding your life together. I know there's some frantic in some hearts today. There's some fretting, as I mentioned in the opening part of this. But the, God wants you to know He is the one who holds it all together. And we have to pay attention to what He has done. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're going through right now, whatever challenges are on the horizon of your life right now, here's the thing. Look back over what God has done and see that if He has did it then, He's going to do it today. All these stories 
all these things that lay in this word, in this book, the word of God, are there for us to draw strength from, to draw wisdom from, to draw understanding from, to draw guidance from. All of these things right here in the Word of God are there to help you and I understand and get it that, hey, throughout time, throughout history, God has held it all together. I know in hum- humans' eyes it looks like a lot of humans have won over the centuries. It looks like a lot of people have really ruled this world. But really, do we really think God's that dumb? Do we really think God is foolish enough? No, he's just he's smart enough and wise enough to make people think they really do control the world just to prove them they don't really control the world. And the thing about you and I, we have this great opportunity as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus, belonging to God as his children that he is in control. He's in control of everything. Now, we have responsibility, and here's the thing about our responsibility, is God's sovereignty does not override our responsibility. God's sovereignty empowers our responsibility. Knowing that God's sovereign hand is in control gives me fuel to actually do what it is I'm supposed to do, to treat life the way I'm supposed to treat it according to God's view, according to God's outlook. You see, God's sovereignty in our life empowers us to actually do and live the life that he actually has called each of us to live. Amen? But we have to pay attention to what he's done. Pay attention to all the things he's done. Pay attention to how Jesus healed the sick. Pay attention to how Jesus healed the lame. Pay attention to how, how, how Jesus provided for people. Pay attention to how Jesus befriended people. Pay attention to what God has done. Friend, if we'll look at how God, what he has done, then we can begin to layer and uh, pattern our life after what he has done, which brings us to the next thing. So we've got pay attention to what God has said, pay attention to what God has done. Anybody still paying attention to what I'm saying? All right. The third thing is this. Pay attention to God's timetable. Pay attention to God's timetable. Verse 8 says, But you must not forget. It's like, it's like Peter's like, Oh, wait, one more thing I need to tell you. Wait, one more thing you need to pay attention to. Kind of like uh, uh, moms and dads. Hey, you, 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 before you leave, I need to tell you this. And right as you get out the door, Oh, one more thing I need to let you know of before you go. And as you get in the car and you leave, you get a text. Oh, and don't forget this. Right? It's, 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 it's hey, Kids, it's just a part of parenting that you will never understand until you have your own way on down the road somewhere. And then you'll be doing the same thing your mom and dad did. I'm just like my mama and just like my daddy doing the same thing they told me. Don't forget. And Peter's like, don't forget. Pay attention. One more thing. Pay attention to God's timetable. Verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord... And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives we should live. Looking forward to the day of God 
and hurrying it along. And on that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Friends, that day will happen. The day where the world will be brand new again. The new heavens, the new earth, and the thing that rules this world will not be anything evil, but it will be God's righteousness. Everything will be perfect again. Now that is worth striving for. That is worth aiming for. That is worth doing all that we can to tell people about Jesus and to live our life in a way that will show people Jesus so that we can all enjoy the goodness and the righteousness of God without any breaks of pain interfering with it at all. I don't know about you, but I want that. Anybody else want that? Anybody else want that kind of life? Yeah, that's the guarantee of those who are born again and in Christ, that that is what heaven will be. And that our new earth and the, and the new heavens will take over. And, but pay attention to God's timetable. Here's the thing. God's timetable is not like ours. I know we have a clock and we have a calendar and we have days and all these things. God oversees all that exactly. But here's the thing. When God looks at time, to Him, our time matters not. Because our prayers are like, do you not see the deadline on when that bill is due? Do you not see I'm going to be hit with a late charge? Can you not fathom that if I, I, I don't pay them, they're going to come knocking on my door? Or, hey, don't you see what the doctor said? Right? And it's fine. We're, we can talk to the Lord and we can pray to Him and show Him all these things. And He's aware of it, but he, all, he wants us to come to Him. But here's the thing. His timetable is not our timetable. And the thing about Him is no one knows the hour or the day in which Jesus will return to reclaim the world and to come for his bride. No one knows the hour. No one knows the day. It does, I don't care who they are. I really don't care who they are, how many credentials they have at the end of their name. Nobody on this earth knows the hour or the day in which Jesus will come back. So if you buy those books, you're wasting your money. Because back in 88, a guy wrote a book, got filthy rich, 88 reasons, 1988, for some of you, like, that was like ancient years ago, 1988, a guy wrote a book, 88 reasons why the Lord is coming again this year, or why it's coming this year, right? He might have wrote it in 87, then I think in 88 he rewrote it and said 88 reasons why he's not. I know we, re, we think that's crazy, but folks, nobody knows, so... What do we do? Pay attention to God's timetable. Here's the thing. God is not slow, but He is patient. God is not slow, but He is patient. We can't get the two mixed up. God, you're so slow. Why don't you get here? Why don't you do something? Why don't you intervene? Why don't you make this change? You think He's freaked out? Absolutely not. He's not freaked out about the world issues going on whatsoever. Is he concerned? Yeah. Why? Because his people are here. We're here. But he's patient. Why? Because he wants everyone to repent. He gives time for repentance to take place. That's why he is patient. He is patient for that very reason. Repentance. That word, repent, repentance, I get it. It's not a very popular word. We, we, it's almost like a taboo word. It's a cuss word to some people. Repent. <gasps> The audacity to use the R word. 
repentance. It comes from a Greek word, metanoia, which means it's not regret, but this is what it means. It's a change of perspective that results in a changed action. A change in perspective that results in a changed action. That's what repentance is. When it means to repent, and people have given it this definition, is a do a 180. Not a 360, because you're just going to keep going back in the same direction, but a 180. In other words, if I'm walking in my life this way, away from God, and I repent, that means I'm turning back 180 degrees, and I'm walking towards Him. Repentance is not necessarily, it's not regret. It's not about feeling sorry for something. Because the best of us, we can all conjure up feeling sorry for something, right? Whether we willingly admit something or we got caught doing something or whatever it might be, we can all conjure up some I'm sorry's. But the, cha- but the proof in the matter of repentance is really in how we live our life. In fact, that's what John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Matthew recorded it, and, he's, and John the Baptist was preaching, and he, and he said, Prove by the way you live that you have repented. In other words, let your life do the talking for you. Right? So how do we know if we've repented of something? Well, we'll look at the fruit on our life. We'll look at the fruit on the tree of our life, and it will show whether or not we have repented. Now, here's, here's the thing. I want to say to that, if, if we would repent more, I believe we would repeat less. If we would re- repent more, then we will repeat less. Repeat that? Okay. If we would repent more, we would repeat less. Repentance is really a lifestyle. You have initial repentance unto salvation, and then we have what a lot of people call lifestyle repentance that leads to transformation, a transformed life, which is all laid out in the, in the Word, in the New Testament, of how Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they work in our life and they change our life, etc., etc. Lifestyle repentance. Repent more, repeat less. Right? repent more, repeat less. So here's the thing. Whatever, whatever we got happening in our life, and we, we might feel sorry, we should feel sorry, we should feel convicted about things. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings conviction. He doesn't bring shame, but He brings conviction. He brings conviction so that we can be changed. And He changes us because that's God's part, part of God's plan and part of God's will to be more like Christ. We were born in His image, etc., etc., created in His image, in His likeness. And so, repent more, repeat less. That if we will live with that kind of understanding about our relationship with God, is that we, our lifestyle is one of repentance. Is that so whatever I'm, I'm dealing with in my life, whatever, whatever is a stronghold, whatever is a continual repeat thing in my life, what well, you name it, you can fill in the blank. Okay? Fill in the blank, whatever that is. And if you don't know what, that, what you can fill in the blank with, that means if you're going to follow Christ, you've got to read His Word, and His Word is a mirror, and it will show you what's in your heart and what's in your life. It will show you what doesn't line up with what God is saying about you. Because here's the thing, there is reward to obedience. There is blessing attached to obedience. And if you want God's 
blessing in your life. You want Him to honor your life. You want Him to bless your life. You want Him to bless your marriage. You want Him to bless your relationship. You want Him to bless your household. Here's the thing. There is a measure of called obedience. If you will obey God, God rewards that. God rewards that. But that, that can't happen. Obedience can happen without a changed heart. Obedience can happen without repentance. So repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is a good word, and we're called to live a lifestyle of repentance. So if whatever it is, if it's continuing to happen in my heart, in my life, in my mind, whatever it is, the more I will repent of that. Okay, so man, I, you might say, Pastor, I've repented of that thing for 25 years, and it's still it's coming around. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't stop repenting. Because the moment you stop repenting is the day you stop trying. And the day you stop trying is the day the enemy whips your tail. We're in the South, so we can say it like that. And when the enemy does that, here's the thing. He knows you won't fulfill your destiny that God put you on this earth for. And if you won't fulfill your destiny that God has put you on this earth for, you're going to come to the end of the road and your bridge is out. Then what? Then what? Pay attention to God's timetable. He's not slow, but he is patient. And he's patient because he gives us time to live a life of repentance. And I'm glad for that. Aren't you? Don't mistake God's patience for his acceptance of your lifestyle. Don't mistake God's patience for his acceptance of your lifestyle. Meaning, don't think God's cool with how you're going through life when you know it ain't right. And think, well, nothing's happening, nothing's bad, I still got some money, I'm still got my job, I still got my kids, I still got my education, I'm still going about through life. Yeah, you may go through life till the day you die. And if you didn't repent of it, I don't know what the end of your road's going to look like. God does. But he gives warning signs. Pay attention to what I've done. Pay attention to what I've said. Pay attention to my timetable. I'm not slow, but I am patient, he says. Last thing. Everybody still with me? All right. Pay attention. First of all, let me say this. The first three things that Peter brings out here. Pay attention to what God has said, what God has done, to God's timetable. All about him. All about God. This last one. Very little. He says, pay attention to how you live. Pay attention to how you live. Whether we understand this or not, or whether we get this or not, life does not revolve around me. It's just good to go ahead and tell yourself that. If you haven't ever been broken in on that news, well, we're breaking it in on you today. Life does not revolve around you. It revolves around God. Always has. Always will. We're not going to heaven to worship a Peter, a Paul. We're not going to heaven to bow at Mary's feet or any of those things. We're going to heaven and we will bow at the feet of Jesus. And at every name... The name above every name, would every knee and every tongue will confess and bow before him, profess he is Lord of all. That's who it's about. That's who it's about. 
So pay it, but he ends this last little part by saying, pay attention to how you live. Verse 14. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, while you're waiting for the world to come to the end, while you're waiting for Jesus to come back, while you're waiting and living your life, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. I need to pause there because that's really, really good. The Lord is patient because it gives people time to be saved. I don't know who you're praying for. I don't know who you, you constantly put names up before God in the throne room of heaven. That You're asking God to save. You're asking God to change. You're asking God to deliver. You're asking God to move in. Set up life right in the middle of their heart. Whoever that might be, God is patient because He gives people time to be saved. I want to tell you, don't stop believing for those people. Don't stop believing for those people. It might be the most honorious co-worker you ever worked with in your life. Don't stop praying for them. It might be a relative. It might be a spouse. It might be a child. Whoever that might be, God's patience gives people time to get it right. So I don't know what any things you might have heard out here in the world God's not slow, but He is patient. And His patience is a display of His character, of His goodness. That He gives us time. Don't mistake His patience, though, for the acceptance of your lifestyle. Paul, he said, this is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote, verse 15. He wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him, verse 16. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand... And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. Verse 17, this is what we started with. I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard, so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. So pay attention to how we live. I think if we pay attention to how we live, it's going to make us pay attention to Jesus more. See, if we really would just pay attention to Jesus more, what is it that he thinks? What has he said about it? How did he do it? What it was written in the Word from him about us and about life? Pay attention to Jesus more really helps us to pay attention to how we really live our life. You didn't see Jesus being mean, right? All kinds of things in his earthly relationships, in his spiritual relationships with the saved and the unsaved, so to speak, figuratively at that time. You saw how he handled life. You saw how he treated others. You saw what he did. Friends, really, that's how we're supposed to model our life. He gives us a pattern. He gives us a pattern. Pay attention to how we live. Be more mindful of what Jesus thinks. And maybe ask yourself the question. Maybe let that question kind of be on repeat in our minds. What does he think about what I'm doing right now? What does he think about what I'm about to say right now? What does he think about what I'm thinking about that other person right now? 
What does Jesus think about the way I'm viewing life right now? What does Jesus think about me and my life right here and now? Peter admonishes us, really, yes, and warns us, pay attention to how you live. Because how we live now affects eternity. And I know we're human and we don't like to think all that far down the road a lot of times, but really how we live right now has a great effect on eternity. But he lays out these three things in closing. This is what I'm going to close with. Pay attention to how we live. Verse 14, he tells us to be determined to live at peace with God. Be determined to live at peace with God. Every day, we should be asking ourselves and going before the Lord, whatever there is in my heart that is not right with you, make it right now, O God, and forgive me. I want to be at peace with you. Then in verse 17, he tells us to be on guard against the ways of this world. In other words, we should be pattering, pattering our life after the kingdom. Pattern your life after the kingdom of God. What does it look like to really be a true Christian? What does it look like to set up a house and have children, have a family, have a marriage, have interacting social relationships? How to be in this current modern society yet faithful and honest, and true, a devoted follower of Christ. Be on guard against the ways of the world. Friends, so many of us are deceived by the ways of the world. We think they actually wrote the book. We think they actually know what they're talking about. We think the systems of this world are right, but really, they're not right. Pay attention to that. Then he says this in verse 18, Be willing, be willing to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. In other words, be willing to grow in the spiritual strength that Jesus gives you. Be willing to grow in the spiritual strength that Jesus gives you. Today is August the 6th. And on this day back in 1971, a man, a person by the name of Che Blythe, successfully completed what no one had ever attempted before sailing nonstop around the world in the wrong direction, east to west, went against prevailing winds and strong currents, 30,000 miles in 292 days. But he did it. He made it. Wasn't easy. Scary. I'm sure afraid at times, lonely, dark, hungry, thirsty, ready to walk, tired of being crouched down. You see, when we turn our life over to Christ, and we become a follower of Jesus, we belong to God, then that means our life, we're going to have to face prevailing winds and current trends that it's not always going to be popular to do what God wants us to do. At times, people will call you crazy for having faith and hanging in there and staying strong in the midst of what looks like a great loss and travesty. People will call you crazy for tithing and giving when money's tied at home. 
People will call you crazy when a doctor tells you, hey, this diagnosis, but you do what you always know to do, and that's to pray and believe God to heal you, believe God to take care of you, etc., etc. People will look at you and think, man, what are you doing with your life? When is the good really going to come out of your life? I'm sure a lot of people said that. They said that about Job. But man, there's one thing for certain about that guy. He stuck around. And it all came back good for him in the end. You see, Peter flashes these warning signs. Pay attention. Every day we have a choice. You and I, we have a choice every day. Are we going to travel with God and towards God? Or are we going to go away from Him? And so Peter says, hey, whatever you do, make sure your heart is right with God. Whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you're facing, first and foremost, make sure your heart is at peace with God. Then as you continue on, be on guard. See, when we're not on guard, then we become susceptible to the prevailing winds and the current trends that come along and just sweep our legs right out from under us. See, if we, will, if we compare our life to how everybody else in the world lives, it can, it, and we see maybe the good and the cheery and the smiley and the Facebook posts that say, you know, all the good stuff's going on and we don't see all the behind-the-scenes stuff, that can make us feel kind of depressed at times because we're like, man, I want what they got. They must have it going on. Look at what they're showing on Facebook. Friends, let me tell you, 90-something percent of what you read on Facebook is not true. 90-something percent. I'm just going with that number. It just sounds right. Because there ain't no way. How many billion people live in the world now? Seven billion? There ain't no way that many people on Facebook are that happy all the time. And I know some of those people are going to have half the money they say they got. And they don't have half the friends they say they have either. And that's probably not their real picture either. If anybody's ever been catfished before. Friends, that's exactly what Peter's telling us. Don't fall for the bait. Don't fall for the bait. You bite it hook, line, and sinker. Your life will sink. Your road will end. The bridge is out. That's what I want to tell you today, friends. The bridge is out. Some of you are here today. Your lives are, you know, your life is not headed in the direction that God is pleased with. That's not condemnation. That's just the truth of a pastor trying to tell people, hey, God has a better road for you. God has a better plan. And I've asked the team to, Roll back into a song that we opened up with called God, I Look to You. And I'm going to invite you to stand as I, I'm, I'm going to finish up. I'm done preaching, teaching, speaking. And they're going to play this song, and I want us to take a moment to pay attention. Pay attention to what God has said in your life, pay attention to what He's done. And realize that life is going to end. It's going to happen. We're all on a timetable that God has planned. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We wake up with each new day. Hopefully we can be thankful. We all struggle with that from day to day. 
pay attention to how you live. Let's sing this as we do that. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do. Just what to do. 